Hello, gentle listener. Jimmy here just to give you a little heads up about a new podcast that you may want to listen to. It's called Lost in Theatres, in which sisters Rachel and Ruth talk about movies that have slipped through the cracks of pop culture. Each episode, Rachel has watched one of those movies and she explains the plot to Ruth, who hasn't seen it. So far they've covered movies such as The Rocketeer and Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Find it on Google Podcasts, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's Lost in Theatres. Check it out, it's a fun new listen. Now, on with our episode of Go! Be warned, listeners, there may be some ranting. We watch a movie from our youth to see how problematic it may be by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we're going to be talking about Go, um, which was released in the US on April 9th, 1999, and in the UK and Ireland uh, on 3rd of September 1999, and near Christmas. It was written by John August and directed by Doug Lyman, and it stars Sarah Polly, um, Katie Holmes, uh, Jane War, Scott Wolfe, uh, Timmy, Timothy Oliphant and some fucking annoying Englishman. <laughs> Jimmy and I have thought of three problems each, or maybe more, uh, in your case, that we have with the movie, and one positive, and we'll discuss them as we go. Uh, uh, what's your What's your history with this? I don't have one. Um, I saw it back in 2000 when it came out in VHS, and that was the only time I ever saw it. Well, it would have been DVD probably back then. Um, and I... I remember liking it at the time. <laughs> I am now 44 years old and um, a lot of the stuff in this movie does not appeal to 44-year-old me in the slightest. Um, so what is your problem with, <laughs> your problem with it? What's your history with um, it? I, pro- I probably Jesus. saw it opening weekend. Um, and Dylan saw it opening weekend as well, though we did not see it together, um, which teenage me was pissed about. Anyway, I'm over it. Um, (laughs) And I loved it, and I got it on DVD, and I've watched it many times since, but this was the first time in in quite a while. It's one of the few movies we've watched where Dylan watched it with me, because he was very, very Mm -hmm. pumped about it. (laughs) That's, I mean, (laughs) I'm just a fan. Oh, and I still listen to the soundtrack sometimes. (laughs) Right, okay, right. I I messaged you and said, I think (laughs) I hate this, and then you said that Dylan was disappointed um, so I apologize to Dylan. <laughs> um, oh, uh, and, okay. and I, I just need don't... you, I need to point out before Sorry. we say anything, it does have a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, that means nothing. <laughs> um, it's, I don't, I don't hate it. I hate part of it. Okay. Okay. I hate one particular segment <laughs> of it. Um, but the rest I can take. The the the. Oh, we'll get into it. Okay, we'll get into it. All right. <laughs> so, um, what is your first problem with it, Jen? Um. Well, I guess uh, this is a tough one because I was having trouble. Do I want to say just Simon or 
do I want to get into something more specific? But uh, and I figured it would be one of your problems too. But Simon, um, he's awful. He's awful. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. annoying. Um, when he, you know, one problem I thought about even narrowing it down to it was just him. Like when the kid asks what they're doing, and he says raping small children. Like that's the kind yeah. of guy he is. That he would mm-hmm. say that to a child, and it doesn't matter if that child yeah. was terrible in the Shining miniseries. He does not deserve. <laughs> someone to talk to him like that he's awful like everything you tell him not to do he's gonna do it and um mm-hmm. it's he, every decision he makes is bad um but i almost yeah. turned it in, and i've decided not to blame him um but i had almost i was like do i hate simon or do i have a bigger problem with marcus because why is he friends with these people and i'm judging him a little like i well, how how did he end up with them because yeah. he's clearly so much better than them and so much smarter like, why is he hanging out with them? Yeah, he, I mean, he steals a car. That is one thing I can't blame Simon for. But, because <laughs> Marcus steals a car. The only reason I can't have any part of this, of my problems, be with Marcus is because <laughs> the racism we have to watch Marcus deal with the entire, like, going from Breck and Meyer talking about how he's black and uh, to, like, you know, the people acting like he's an attendant or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's a terrible jacket to be wearing, but like he has to deal. He not only <laughs> is dealing with like really s- shitty friends, but like he's just having to deal with a lot of like just racism the whole time. Well, this isn't really part of my problem, but I do have a problem with the whole racism aspect of it because I think it's tacked on racism. I think it's here is the black member of this group, so people are going to be racist towards him. I think it's a trope. Because of the way that they've established how Marcus is and the way he reacts to everyone, it's definitely the only way I would believe he would steal that car. No, fair enough, but it's just... Well, but then it... there's also the question, is it... I mean, obviously, like, especially with the guys at the strip club, he is dealing with, like, a lot of straight-out racism. But then a lot of it, it's like, how much is it racism and how much is it he's wearing a really bad jacket? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, there is that. It is a terrible jacket. I just don't understand why it's there in the first place, because it just seems to me like he's the black guy in the group. Don't know why he's there, but he's the black mm-hmm. guy in the group. And he still, he has to deal with the racism because the writer says he has to deal with racism. And he doesn't have to steal the car. Simon's been an absolute arsehole the entire film. It could have mm-hmm. been him that stole the car. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it just seems, uh, it, uh, we'll get into my third problem. The biggest problem I have that involves Simon, this is like more of a writer thing than just like, I hate this character, but, and this I almost put as its own problem. When he's having sex with those women uh-huh. and they're like, did you go? And he's like, no, he goes Tantra, baby. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know that much about tantric sex, but I'm going to assume you don't just dive into it. Like the first time you have sex after you learn about it, no. you're all of a sudden able to like, that's always bothered me. Like even as a teenager, when I, when I'm a virgin and don't know shit, like I'm watching this movie and I'm like. I, that's not realistic. Like, I'm not saying the whole movie is realistic, but that's one thing where it's like, I don't buy this. And I don't also don't buy that this doofus would even be there yet. Well, no, because we, we had like a five minute scene of Marcus telling us all the training he's been mm-hmm. doing. And because he, do, he doesn't say that it happens straight away. He does say that he trained his body to do it. 
So mm. then it's just like a lazy thing that this arsehole, our fucking hate Simon, this arsehole can just do. <laughs> right. Okay. That, my problem is Simon as well. I can tell. Yeah. No, I hated to see right from the right from the second he appears on screen. I hated him, like the whole mistletoe thing, mm-hmm. and just bothering Sarah Polly, even though he was told not to. Well, this was, and this was my this was my guess. Like you had messaged me and said you found two problems in the first five minutes, uh-huh. and so when we when we were about you know five or so minutes in, Dylan paused it and he's like, "So what do you think the problems were?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, with Jimmy, it could be anything from, like, something huge to the color of someone's tie. Um, but that was my guess, was the mistletoe the mistletoe thing. Although, him bothering Rana, like, he shouldn't have done it when he was told not to, but she did need the money. No, I understand that. So it was ultimately a good thing. It's just, it's just the mistletoe bit that put me off yeah. the character straight away. We'll get into the other problem in a minute, but I'll just, I just need to talk about Simon. Um... Right, here's a list. I wrote a list of things he does, Jen. Right, oh, there's the okay. mistletoe thing. There's a line about raping kids. He sneaks into a wedding reception to pre- pretends to be Irish to sleep with two bridesmaids. Then he leaves said bridesmaids to deal with the burning room as he bails. Then he plays around with a real loaded gun, asks for champagne in the strip club after he was specifically told not to. Then he shoots the bouncer after... He touches a, a stripper after being specifically told not to. Then he throws the gun away with his fingerprints on it. And then, at the end, he's totally unfazed by getting shot in the arm as punishment because he knows he's basically gotten away with his behaviour. Fucking hate him! As someone who has done writing in the past and studied writing, that is mm-hmm. just a terrible character to write. But the way that the character ends things is also part of my third problem, so we'll get into that later. Okay, right. You also have a lower tolerance for um, asshole characters. Than I do. Most people, I think. But it's not just that. It's uh, well, it's my third problem, and we'll get into it. But okay. the I was with it up until the Vegas segment. Mm. I, w- I I was enjoying it. I was enjoying the Sarah Polly stuff. I'd forgotten that she gets hit by the car. Um, mm-hmm. so that came out of nowhere for me, and you know, uh, um, that was a shock. I was like, holy shit, they're taking her out early but then I was like oh shit yeah this is like a Tantino movie isn't it it's just gonna place like someone else's point of view or not fucking Simon (laughs) (laughs) so Um, and we as far as your problems go like you're not really getting into the first story right I like the first story okay because I had something I wanted to mention and I figured I wanted to go ahead and put it in if like now, if we weren't actually even really going to talk about that storyline. Um, no, okay, carry on. Oh, uh, so one problem I have with the movie that, or it's not, one problem I have that isn't the movie's fault mm-hmm. um, is there was a period of time in the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. where uh, Angel by Massive Attack was used <laughs> in everything. And I swear, like, up in, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it much in recent years because I'd forgotten some of the things it was in. I had to do a little bit of research. That's what I was doing when you, you hopped on the call. Um, but, uh, I used to have a whole list in my head. Okay. And these are just the, these are just the things I've seen that the song has been in. Mm The song has been in so many things I haven't seen. It was in Mm -hmm. the movie, best laid plans. Mm -hmm. It was in pie. It was in snatch. 
it it was in an episode of Smallville. It was in the Person right. of Interest pilot. It was in Antitrust. Right. Oh God, Antitrust. Uh, <laughs> I have that on DVD, by the way. Uh, and what I what I just found out before we started recording was um, I'd forgotten it was in the episode of The West Wing where the president's daughter gets kidnapped. Um, right. And then if you look if you look at the Wikipedia page, um, all, most of this stuff isn't even listed mm-hmm. on it. But the list of things it's in on the Wikipedia page is really mm-hmm. long. There was a certain point where like it would start playing in something, and I would just start yelling, "They need to retire yeah. this song." It's a good song. Like, I understand why they put it in all these TV shows and movies, but it is ridiculous how often it's been used. Aye, it's it's overused. But it's been something that's been bothering me for 20 years, so I just wanted to rant about it for just a minute. <laughs> um. So was that actually one of your official problems? No, that's just me. Like, that's just, I, I just, if anything, I just think it's interesting that so many... Different in like you expect it from you know maybe like um like you know classic rock songs or something or like some eighties hit like you know there are certain songs that play like well known songs that play in lots of movies but it's like this massive attack song that your average person doesn't know but it's just ended up in all this stuff um and it it happens so often in such a short amount of time that it would take me out of whatever scene I w- I was watching yeah. But this movie was one of the first ones to use the song, mm-hmm. which is why I'm not considering it a problem of no, this movie. No, it's not the movie's fault. <laughs> My second problem is um, just like the bouncers. Uh, like, this is a thing that I've I've seen enough in TV and movies that I assume it happens in real life. Right. But they get so... Pi- well, first of all, they're super racist and they go after Marcus. Mm. Um, but they're yelling, you know, at Marcus and Simon and, like, beating him up and stuff. And they... Like, one of them says, I'm talking to your faggot friend. Mm-hmm. And they say that word again multiple times. These dudes are in a strip club mm-hmm. and they're in trouble because one of them touched the stripper. Mm-hmm. And you're calling them faggots. I know. Like, first of all, first of all, don't call anybody that. But second of all, that makes no sense. I know. I know, it's a stupid, it's a stupid line. They're just stupid men. Like, I just don't like these men. No. I mean, obviously they're bad guys, but like, they're just, they just annoy me. Well, as you probably gathered by now, Jen, I don't really like many people from this movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I do like um, Claire, and I do like uh, Rona, and I do like uh, Timothy Oliphant's character, even though he is not a good guy, really, kind of, maybe. Um, he's a fun character. He's yeah, a really he's fun good. character. Timothy Oliphant is very enjoyable to watch because he's a really good actor, mm-hmm. but there's like something different about him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So my second problem is, and this is this is the other one that I got from the first five minutes of the movie, Jen. Okay. It's rave culture. <laughs> the music in general. I I, okay. I hate it because it dominated the UK charts in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. And it was pretty much, it was actually pretty much over in the UK by the time this movie came out. Like rave culture, it sort of moved on mm-hmm. and we were into like Britpop and all that. We were into Oasis and all that by then. Um, so it's just like watching this movie, it's like a, even then, to us, it would have been a bit dated. So it's not really the, the, the movie's fault. But even though I I didn't love this movie, I did struggle to find three problems. 
because mm-hmm. I had two major ones and mm-hmm. then I was struggling to find like a sort of you know a third one um so I just put rave culture because I hate the music. I hate dance music. I hate rave music. I hate it. I hate it all. I'm a, I'm a I'm not, rock sort of I'm, pop man myself. <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan. And Dylan was super into it, especially like in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And oh god, I hated it. I like now he mostly just listens to female singers, and it's like right. Lilith Fair up in here or something. So, oh, well, I say Lilith Fair. He's into poppier stuff, like. Okay. I uh, I heard him I heard him shampooing the the carpet the other night. He had his headphones in and he's just like s- singing Taylor Swift so loudly. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I was on a Zoom call with a friend and she was jealous that I could hear it and she couldn't, but then he walks past my office mm-hmm. and she heard it. <laughs> just like uh but back in the day all he listened to was techno. Right. And oh, I hated it. I hate and techno. he did go to some raves. Because right. um, rave, rave culture didn't really hit Oklahoma until like the early 2000s. I thought when I was watching that, I thought I would maybe have a problem with all the drug taking and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't because at the end of the day, I don't really give a fuck what people do. If people want to take drugs, <laughs> and that's entirely up to them. It's not to me yeah. to judge. Um, but I can still complain about their taste in music. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, here's, a, here's another music related mm-hmm. thing. Um, so one of the songs in this movie is Magic Carpet Ride. Oh yeah, it's a remix and, though, um, isn't it? Or no, no, it wasn't that song. It was um, oh god, whichever song it is, where at a certain point in the song they go cha 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 cha. Um, right. I can't I can't remember the name of the song, but it's on the soundtrack. There, I took a documentary filmmaking class. Um, the probably like a couple months after I saw this right. movie, and there I was in the editing room with a bunch of people, you know, it's all high schoolers. And this guy was editing his movie and he used that song mm. in his movie. And when you're editing something, you hear the same shit over and over and over mm-hmm. again. That song still triggers something dark within me. Yeah, Like I get homicidal and it actually ruined the soundtrack for me for a while. Although <laughs> not enough for you to actually remember what it's called. <laughs> Uh yeah, <laughs> that... that's your brain just blocking it though. It's, you're trying to get rid of it. Yeah, I always just remember there's a song on the soundtrack that makes me go crazy. Yeah, yeah the soundtrack's okay. I really like it. There's um, some good stuff in there. Um, there's a Natalie and Brulia song I really mm, like. Yeah, there are there are some good songs in there. Uh, what's your second problem? Um, oh no, that was, that was your second, second problem. Which, uh, okay. Yeah, so what's your third problem then? Um, these the cops suck. So okay. <laughs> um first of all, when uh Rana get, goes to the apartment, mm-hmm. William Fitchner says the wrong name of the city mm-hmm. uh, where the person got snowed in. And then they forget to take the mics off. And I just really feel like these cops, like these guys just I don't think they even care much about this. They are sloppy. Mm-hmm. And also, William Fitchner like acts too much like a cop. Like, I I feel like they're just not good. No. And um, I mean, not to mention the fact that he's super inappropriate with these guys, and I can't believe he invites them over for dinner. And also, you shouldn't get naked in front of someone you barely no, know. No, of course not. But then that's that's part of my third problem <laughs> is just that that doesn't really go anywhere. That that that's it's it sort of trying. It, 
tries to make you think that maybe this is like a like a swinging couple or something, mm-hmm. and he they're, they're trying to get with these guys, but it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's that's like they want them to be representatives in their scheme or some shit, and it's like mm-hmm. that they don't even have the balls to go through with that. They <laughs> just like change it up at the end. Yeah. Um, and then those characters disappear. A lot of characters just disappear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah, like I just chalk it up to it's a night in these people's lives yeah. where like everything kind of converges. So there's going to be weird characters. Um, I do want to point out, uh, my husband and I, you know, we have our um, Party of Five mm-hmm. podcast, Closer to Free. Yeah. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and so we've been watching Party of Five for years. Um but go is still the thing Dylan's going to think about when he thinks about Scott Wolf. Right, okay. When he thinks about Scott Wolf, this is the movie he goes to. Like, if I ever... Dylan hates doing interviews. And if I ever managed to get an interview with Scott Wolf, the only way Dylan would participate... Mm-hmm. is Like, the only reason he would is just so he could talk to him about go. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I would probably... It would probably be part of five for me for Scott Wolf. I mean, that's what it would be for most people. Yeah. Like, for most people, it wouldn't be Go. No, I know. But, I mean, when I was younger, I used to watch Double Dragon all the time. I don't know why. It's garbage. Oh, right, right, right. But I still think of Party of Five when I think of Scott Wolf. I wouldn't think about that truly awful pilot that we did for Drop the Pilot that time that he was oh, in. Oh, my God. That was terrible. That was really bad. <laughs> Can't remember the name. Oh, Making It Legal. Making It Legal. Oh, yeah. That was terrible. Um, right, so that was your third problem. The, yeah. the cops. <laughs> You're struggling in this one. I know, I really like this movie. Well, no, that's fair enough, but, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really like Back to the Future, but when we finally cover that one, I'm still going to have some problems with it. Right. Um, okay, well, just as well, my third problem is extremely long. Okay. Well, it's kind of an extension of the problem that I was talking about with Simon and it's that there's no real stakes in this movie. Okay. There's there's nothing like uh Rona gets fucked up but she still goes to work and she's just got a limp. It's like Zach found a bit of her flesh on the car. So she's like she was obviously fucked up but she was in the hospital for a couple hours and then went to work. Mm-hmm. Um when people go through as much shit as possible like all these folk do and they still get off like relatively scot-free, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Because there's no real stakes, there's no real consequences. They all do... Well, they don't all do terrible things. Most of them do terrible things, and then they're fine. It's it just... I mean, Simon... Mm-hmm. Simon is the prime example, because he does all those horrible things. He shoots a human being. He leaves two women to burn to death in a hotel room, and he still... He gets shot in the arm and it's like, I'm okay. <laughs> Good. Good, you're okay. You should be fucking dead. <laughs> well, one thing one thing I like about that ending is I do, <laughs> I like the idea that everyone settles on what will be fair. Yeah. And no one really argues with it. No. Like, I, <laughs> I, I find that really, that kind of thing really delightful when, like, criminals are just like, okay, well, we'll do... We'll do what's fair instead of just, you know, yeah, <laughs> doing things out of anger. I mean, the bouncer gets shot, but he shows zero pain throughout the movie. I mean, I, I, I didn't expect this to be a bloodbath, right? Mm-hmm. But 
Pulp Fiction kills off a main character that you didn't expect to, to die. And they sort of kind of do that with Rona, but then she comes back and she's perfectly fine at the end. If they had the balls to just kill her off, I think I may have enjoyed the... Yeah, I probably would have enjoyed the movie more because then there was more stakes and more consequences to everybody else. Oh, I would have enjoyed it less. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just think that... Or at least if she was still in the hospital at the end, instead of mm-hmm. going to work, that just... I mean, I know that's... I know that's the whole point and that's the joke, right? But I mm-hmm. just don't think it works. Um, and as I said, the, the pussy out with the William Fickner character... You know, and I just don't... There's just no satisfying ending to any of the plots for me, personally. Uh, Can I tell you one thing uh, that's different, probably, for me than you about watching this, like, as an American? Mm -hmm. Like, at the very end of the movie, my big concern is, like, how much is that hospital visit going to cost Rana? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was was thinking about it, and then I was like, I bet Jimmy isn't having this. uh, No, I didn't think about it at all, no. No. Not exactly, because over here it would be fine. But but she still says that she's still got enough. So she must have made enough money selling the fake drugs mm-hmm. to pay for her rent, pay for her hospital, and still have $20 left over. So, you know, she did all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad she didn't die. Uh, it probably would have been good if something happened to Simon. Uh, I'm also really curious what happened to Simon's other friends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I've got no. I'm, don't get me wrong. Or no, they all got out, didn't they? Yeah, they did. But okay, still, it just shows something. But it's like, or at least have one of them like get captured or so. I don't fucking know. Mm. But just have just have consequences and higher stakes to your movie. It's just and. I don't. I didn't want Rona to die. I'm glad she didn't. But I just think mm. it would have been more of a holy shit moment if she did. Mm. I I get where you're coming from because so much exciting stuff happened, but then nothing really happened. Oh, exactly. But I but I just think of it in terms of like um, like days movies like Dazed and Confused, where Dazed and Confused it's just a night. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Dazed and Confused, your biggest thing is like, is he going to sign this thing or not, saying that he's not going to do drugs? But there's, but it's, I mean, at at the end of the movie, it really is just like this was a night in high school no. in the seventies. No, I understand that, but this movie, this movie's masquerading as an adventure sort of actiony night in the town kind of thing. I don't know. It would be kind of like uh, if they did, what's the name of it? Adventures in Babysitting. If, if mm-hmm. Adventures and Babysitting with all their adventures and everything happened um, and all their character growth and all that they learned things and everything and then at the end she woke up and it was all a dream. That's basically the same as this because nobody learns anything. Nobody, nothing happens to them that's consequence free. I've said the word consequence about 50 times already but nothing, just nothing happens and it's fine that it's just one night mm-hmm. but I still would have liked at least one of them to have learned something. I bet Rana learned not to uh, jump straight to a different dealer, like to to hop up the food chain. It would it would be nice to for her to have said that. Oh, it would have been nice for someone to have said anything that they've learned anything, or you know, mm-hmm. um, even the even the two gay characters, um, one of which is kind of he didn't in, in the end, but he was thinking about killing another human being mm-hmm, um, yeah. they were just like she's fine 
She's she's fine. She's she's there. There's the ambulance. It's coming. She's fine. We're all right. Yay! Fuck! And I like those two characters too. <laughs> one thing, one thing, one problem I have that I totally forgot about is that it's it's so weird to me. They don't recognize that it's Rana. Uh-huh. Like when they go back for her, it, it always bothers me that they don't connect that it's her. Like I know that you know she's all fucked up, but like. Mm-hmm. You think they'd recognize her? You think, she, yeah, especially because, um, which one was it? The Jay Moore one. He was that close to her and tells her to go. Yeah. Um, they say go a lot in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you would think so. It's just if you want to be like, if you want to try and be like a movie like Pulp Fiction, and I think they were trying to because loads of movies did in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Loads of movies were yeah. trying to be like a Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reviews I read said this is like one of the only ones that's good that does that. Yeah, no, that's fine. But I just don't think it does it as successfully um, because they just kind of forget that actions, you know, mean something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even in Pulp Fiction, uh, the characters learn things and then one of them gets shot when he's coming out the toilet. Now that I think about it, though, I think I enjoy this more than I do Pulp Fiction. Because you know what I don't care about? What? Anything having to do with Bruce Willis in that movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, I at least am, like, into all the parts of this movie. I mean, Pulp Fiction is a better film, but, like... No, you enjoy this I really... more. I understand that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, and Doug Liman, like, it's actually... Uh, Dylan and I watched the new Doug Liman trailer a couple days ago, mm-hmm. And I wasn't that interested in watching the trailer. I didn't know it was a Doug Liman movie. And when I was watching the trailer, I was like, I don't know if I care very much about this. And then they were like, from the director of, and then listed a couple of movies. And I was like, oh, well, if you tell me it's Doug Liman, I'm, (laughs) if you tell me it's going to be Doug Liman, one, I'm going to be more interested. And two, I'm going to assume the actors had a tough time on the movie. Right. I don't know what that movie is. I haven't seen any trailers recently. It's like the, the Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley movie where like she's the first woman he's ever seen and like you can see men's thoughts or something i don't know it's weird Never heard but of it. doug lyman directed it right i'll have to I'll, I'll have to look that up i don't really like watching trailers anymore i find mm-hmm. that i like to just go if i like the idea of a movie i'll just watch the movie um or if i like the cast or if i like the director because i think trailers give away far too much now um well they always have but um like in the seventies, trailers used to show the final shot of the movie and stuff like that, which is crazy. But they they tend to show, say, like the last scene or the last action scene or something in trailers these days, and I just don't like that. So I, I just watch movies now based on do I like the idea, do I like the cast, do I like the director? Mm-hmm. Well, this this uh, trailer, I, I haven't seen the Go trailer obviously in like twenty years, mm-hmm. but there were moments in the movie where I was like, "That was in the trailer," and it was like there was a bunch of stuff from the end that was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem is is that uh, when there's not a global pandemic, I generally go to the movies once a week, once every other week, mm-hmm. um, and so I end up seeing all the trailers. Yeah. I see all the trailers. So I'm just used to watching them. Uh, Dylan has tried started trying to avoid them more. Like if I tell him, hey, there's a new Star Wars trailer or hey, there's a new, you know, Marvel trailer. Mm-hmm. He has no interest because he's like, well, I know I'm going to see it. Yeah. But I I am very, very impatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want like to the see other some night- of it. You want to see some of well, the movie that you want to see. 
I do. And then there's also like, I, I spend a lot of time on like entertainment side. Like I, I, you know, I'm very political and my, my feeds on Twitter and Facebook were way too uh, filled with politics. So I make sure to like on Facebook, I follow like variety and Entertainment weekly and TV line and stuff like that, because I need some shallow stuff to come up mm-hmm. in my feed. Um, Cause even if you follow teen Vogue, even that's going to give you a ton of political stuff. Like it's hard to, to find some lightness there. And so I'm going to see stuff anyway, mm-hmm. and it's just going to make me curious. Curious. It's kind of like, um, like the other night was the Supernatural finale, and I haven't watched that show in like six or seven years. Yeah. Um, but I knew based on how I spend my time on the internet that it would be ruined for me, because mm-hmm. uh, I plan on watching it someday. So I just went ahead and watched the finale, even though I hadn't seen it in half a decade. Well, but Dil- but Dylan's like, no, I'll watch it when I watch the whole show, and then I'll see it. I'm never getting. I'm never going to go back to Supernatural. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I think season five should have been the end of it. It would have been a really good ending. I'm I'm quite happy with it with that. Um, I got to season eight, no nine. I got to season nine, but it's when they start killing off like every single person that the brothers mm-hmm. know. It just pisses me off. It's, it's, well, and especially women. Yeah, especially women. It's, women always die. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like here's a here's a guest star. Or um, she's a regular in season three. No, they don't like that. The fans don't like that. So let's kill off the women. It has to just be the two hot men in the mo- in the show for the entire time. That's it. And it just sort of annoyed me. But uh, that's not why I stopped watching it. I just stopped watching it because I just got bored with it. But I really do like those first five seasons. So what is your positive? Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is her first movie. Before this, she'd done like an episode or two of Jenny McCarthy show. This was the first time I really saw her. Mm-hmm. And she won me over. Mm-hmm. I was immediately obsessed with her. She's so good mm-hmm. in such a teeny tiny little role. She is. Um, it actually led to a conversation with me and Dylan last night about how wealthy we'd be if we bought if you could buy stock in actors. Mm-hmm. Because uh, after watching this movie, we both would have bought a lot of stock in her. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, Jonah Hill in um, 40 Year Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. He has one scene where he's just like, he's just trying to figure out how to get these boots. Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, okay. Well, Catherine Keener, Keener's character owns a store where people take their stuff to be sold mm-hmm. on eBay and she lists it mm-hmm. for them. And she had listed some ugly boots and like Jonah Hill just shows up and he's like I just want to know how to get these boots and I don't think he'd even been in anything else yet like this is the first time I Mm. saw him and just like Melissa McCarthy in this like we became obsessed with him (laughs) because it was just one really funny scene but Melissa McCarthy was in the scene and she's friends with John August Mm. and so like um he wrote uh, the Charlie's Angels movies so like you'll see her in the Charlie's I think she's in both of the Charlie's Angels movies um, and he did a movie called The Nines, which I still haven't seen, but she plays herself in the movie. Right. Um, so this was just, I just love that this was my introduction to her. She was hilarious. Um, she makes me so happy. Like I spend the movie just waiting for that scene. Yeah. And it's just, it, and it's nice. You know, I read this article from like, um, the 15th anniversary or something. Some guy had done a power ranking for the movie actor power mm-hmm. ranking then. And then mm-hmm. now. And then she's at the very, very bottom of the mm-hmm. list. And then and then now she's at the very, very top because she is the person from this movie that became a massive movie yeah. star. 
and it's that it's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't see Desmond Deskew, whatever the fuck his name is, anymore, do you? No. He no. he's actually in a lot of UK TV before this movie. Um, he was in a lot of British television. Um, he was he was on Roswell. Was he? Oh, so he was. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. And he's, an, he's English in everything he's in. When he was a kid, he was in a TV show called Simon and the Witch. And okay. he played Simon. So there's another Simon. So i just like to imagine that this is Simon from Simon and the Witch. Grown up now. And he just became insufferable. And um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And he was in Grange Hill, I think. Which was a, a children's show over here. A popular children's show. Yeah. But it's not his fault. He was given a task to do, and he did that task. I mean, he's good, I think. Well, he, he annoys the piss out of me, and if that was the intention, then yeah, he's really good. You know? Yeah. If the intention of John August was <laughs> Simon is going to rile up a Scottish 44-year-old man in 2020, then yeah, he did the job. <laughs> I think that actually was the main goal of this film. Just to piss me off in 2020, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was you know Doug Lyman and John August. They like the the like slow yeah. burn. They like the long con. That's that's what they, they like the long con. What's what's your positive? Um, the cast, the cast are great. Um, even though the characters annoy me, not all of them. Mm-hmm. I do like some of the characters. I, I listed them earlier, but um, and I actually didn't know. I, I didn't know Melissa McCarthy was in this until I watched it, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Melissa McCarthy!" Um, so that was that was a nice surprise seeing her, and she was really good in that just like tiny role. Even like the mm-hmm. small, the kid, the kid's good. Um, just even the smallest roles, the the actors are good, and it's just such a a well sort of um, a well chosen cast. Timothy Oliphant is great, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a bit where. Katie Holmes is doing like a, a when she's talking about um, Christmas. What's her what her favorite thing about Christmas is, and that is that that's just full on Joey Potter <laughs> when she's talking about that when she's doing a wee rant thing. Well, it's not a rant, but she's going on about how she likes presents and you don't know what's going to be and stuff. That's mm. Joey Potter, and I was like, yeah, I, I really I really enjoy this cast. It is it is a movie where like I want to know more about the characters like what's Rana's story what's uh, Claire's story like especially Rana you know there's the point where she says she's seventeen mm-hmm. and I always assumed she was lying but when I look Sarah Polly was like nineteen at the time I think they're supposed to be seventeen so I was wondering yeah because but she like Dylan w- you know thought that didn't seem right she has rent to pay but like mm. I mean maybe she's left home or maybe she's right out of high school like. You know who knows, but I, I've I've always kind of wondered how old she's actually supposed to be because they are very young when they made this movie. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be about eighteen, nineteen tops, maybe. Um, because if Katie Holmes's character is seventeen, then her making out with Timothy Oliphant just is a bit weird. <laughs> if the character's supposed to be seventeen, um, mm. but not over here because you know. Age of Consent 16 over here. um, So, yeah, I just really liked the cast. All of them. Mm -hmm. Um, The kid, uh, the the child in the hotel, um, Cortland Mead, I think Mm -hmm. is his name. Yeah. He he was the voice of Gus on the um, animated show Recess. 
Okay. And my wee sister used to watch Recess, so I used to watch Recess with her. Um, so yeah, that was that was a nice surprise as well, just to see him in there. See, I recognize him from the Shining miniseries, and he annoyed me in that. I knew I'd seen him before, but I couldn't actually picture where I seen him. So I looked him up and saw, oh yeah, it was it's the Shining miniseries. But then I looked up that he did the voice in Recess. So, um, yeah, cast great. Right, I I would watch. I would watch another movie of this cast of characters. Um, I would. I generally would watch another one, Jen. If there was a sequel to go, I would watch it because I would like to see more of this, of these characters, as long as something actually mattered this time round. <laughs> you know? But Yeah. I, I'm really curious what uh, Sarah Polly's experience was on this movie because, if I remember correctly, this is the movie that soured her to studio movies. And, I mean, she did Dawn of the Dead later, but, like, mm-hmm. she, this, I think... If I remember correctly, this movie really affected her career in that she was like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've i always wondered what the deal was with that. Um, well, I don't know, but I know that they had to film pretty much everything at night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe it's that. Working from 8 to 8, I think they said. Um, yeah. From what I could research. So maybe it's that. Uh, but she's not in it all the time, so it's not as though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was, but there was something about it that I think mm-hmm. she, she really hated. Um, and I was a fan before this because I watched Avon Tales from Avonlea, which she was on. Right. Um, like she was a she was a child star in Canadian in Canadian in Canada <laughs> in Canada. So it was like if you watch this movie and you're American, for the like most likely you have no clue who she mm-hmm. is. But if you're Canadian, she's like she's recognizable. Yeah, I think she's in the Adventures of Baron Munchausen, the uh, Terry Gilliam movie. I think she's a child yeah. in that. So yeah, that's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to follow the podcast uh, at Drop the Pilot Pod, which is my main podcast's um, Twitter, but it's just for all of them. Uh, shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is where you can message us and tell me that I'm wrong um, about everything. Um, <laughs> where can the listeners find you on the internet, Jen? I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter, um, which may have a new episode soon. Yay! For the first time in forever. Um, I also, if you if you enjoy Go and you enjoy Scott Wolf in it, you should try watching Party of Five and listening to my podcast, yes. Closer to Free. Or listen to Drop the Pilot episodes, uh, Making It Legal, where we rant about a very awful sitcom pilot that has very poor representation in it. Uh, and also the kid from Boy Beats World. Um, so uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. See, I wasn't that rough on it. <laughs>